I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, last week, we talked about baptism, about the sacrament of baptism, and uh, how, as we remember our baptism each week, we are uh, calling back to mind the fact that we have been justified. We've been back into relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father uh, through the, the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so because of that, we, as we remember our baptism each Sunday, each time we go to Mass, enter into the church, dip our hands in the holy water, and sign ourselves in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, just as we were through our baptism, uh, we then live out, uh, we're, we're made mindful of the fact that we need to live out our lives as Christians, as children of the Father. So that act of remembering our baptism is not one of calling to mind the physical memory of the moment that we went under the water the first time. Rather, it's about remembering the fact that we have been baptized and all that that entails moving forward. So we, we talked about that last week because my youngest son uh, was, was baptized this last week. This week, I turned 40. And so we're going to talk about remembering our death. Yes. I would laugh, but it's, <laughs> it's serious. Now, closely aligned with this idea of remembering that we have been baptized, that we have been justified, uh, to back into relationship with the Father is this idea and this phrase that's often used on old tombstones and in an old uh, art and it, tempus fugit, memento mori. Time flies. Remember your death. Time flies. Remember your. I, you know. You look. You, you look in the mirror, and you see this forty-year-old plus for some of us out there looking back at you in the mirror and you're like, who, who is this person with gray hair and uh, a little bit more wrinkles than, because in our minds, we're still 25, right? You, you age up to 25 and then your spirit stops. And it's like in your mind, you have a picture in your mind of who you were at that time. Uh, you don't feel any different. Uh, you feel hopefully uh, if you were mature enough at that point in time, you feel like you are you you're the same thing. After you have matured, you don't continue to age in your soul, right? And so you have this picture in your head of someone who's much younger and much more attractive and much more physically capable than the person staring back at you in the mirror. And we remember, time flies. Remember your death. We we have uh, children. And you remember the day of their birth. And of course, I have one that I remember the day of the birth because it was just two weeks ago. Uh, but we have others who, my, my goodness, they're eight and nine and, and 15 and 25. And you look and they're getting married and they're having children. And you're like, oh, my. Time flies. Tempus fugit. Memento mori. Remember your death. And why do we remember our death? Is it just so we can panic a little bit more? By no means. No, we remember our death just as we remember our baptism for the purpose of remembering we've been justified into relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, we remember our death to remind us to continue on to be sanctified uh, as we continue in that relationship with God the Father through the work of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, this week is about 
not justification, like last week. This week is about sanctification. You've been baptized. You've been brought into the family of God. Now what? The author of Hebrews in the fifth chapter uh, is talking to the people that he's writing to, and he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their faculties trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. And so we see here, and then a number of Paul's letters, we see this this exhortation to move beyond justification, to move beyond baptism and toward sanctity as uh, as we are formed into the likeness of Jesus Christ, as we're made more and more as his disciples like him, to do the things that he did. And through that work, to stand as witnesses to the whole world, to the culture around us, uh, that, that God loves them, that God wants to be in relationship with them. That's the whole purpose, that we grow into relationship with Jesus Christ, that he knocks off all our rough edges, he sanctifies us, makes us holy to where when we look in the mirror, who we see is Christ, when we look at our actions, who we see is Christ, uh, and through that, the whole world sees Christ and is drawn unto him. So each week on Outside the Walls, that's what we strive to do here, is to say, okay, we've been justified. We're in relationship with Jesus Christ. What difference does it make? How are we sanctifying our lives? How are we setting our lives apart for the glory of God? And this doesn't necessarily mean that we quit doing life, secular life, going out and going to work and being with family and friends. Rather, it means that we do all of that work for the greater glory of God, that we live our lives, we do our work, we interact with our friends and family in such a way that mirrors and reflects uh, the will of God to the people around. So this week we are talking about remember your death, memento mori, tempus fugit. Time flies. You know, we've been doing this show for nearly uh, three years now, coming up in November as we approach uh, Advent. That will be our three-year mark. Uh, And so, again, time flies. Uh, We've been doing this week in and week out and just really uh, enjoying the time that we have together. And if you enjoy that time, remember I said I turned 40 this week. It is is my birthday, uh, just passed on Thursday. If you want to to give me a birthday present, which I'm not going to say no, let's be honest. Uh, If you want to give me a birthday present, the thing that you could do that would be most satisfying and fulfilling is go over to my social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, Twitter, the handles at outside the walls. And if you have not yet liked those pages, uh, well, it's a little click, little button, just click like, say a little hello, and we'll, we'll become introduced to one another that way. The other thing that you could do that would be just a wonderful gift, and I would love it forever, is become a patron of Outside the Walls. You do that by going to OutsideTheWalls.com and clicking the little link up in the top corner of the the navigation bar that says Patreon. You go to that Patreon link, and there, for as little as $2 a month, you could join the community of, of supporters of the show who get extra content each and every week. Each and every week, uh, an unbroadcast segment, uh, a couple of extra articles, a, uh, a little wave, a picture of the, the family, whatever the case is, there's lots of different tiers, levels that you can come into this family. Uh, and then there's also lots of different gifts that I give back to you 
for your support, ranging from uh, a shout out on the show, uh, invitation to a private video chat, uh, and then, of course, each and every week we've got unbroadcast segments. And if you uh, if you do this right now here on the birthday, not only will you get everything moving forward, you'll also get every benefit that we've given previously. Uh, so you get all the content from our previous shows as well. Honestly, that's not just the birthday. You could do that at any time as well. So if you want to wish me a happy 40th birthday as I uh, contemplate and meditate on my impending death, time flies remember your death, uh, then you could do that just going over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and say hello. So here we are uh, as we are remembering our death. We're remembering the fact that uh, the day will come when all, all of our acts, all of our uh, life will be laid bare. Uh, God will see everything we've done, and, and not only that, I mean, he always has seen everything we've done, but he'll He'll put it down in front of him, and there will be a judgment. And not just, uh, have, hey, have you, have you followed Christ? Have you accepted Christ into your life? Have you been baptized? Have you been justified? Because that's part of it. Uh, but then he's going to go on beyond that. More than just heaven, hell, or purgatory, he, then he's going to start saying, not how are you justified, but how sanctified did you become? How much did you become like Christ? In fact, there's a, a description of this event, of this judgment, uh, beyond did you follow Christ, were, were you baptized and justified, or were you not? Beyond that heaven and hell question, there's another question, and it's described really well in the third chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, According to the commission of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and another man is building upon it. Let each man take care how he builds upon it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And here's where we hear this uh, this description of uh, beyond heaven or hell, how sanctified have we become? We hear this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each man's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Of course, that day, the day, is the judgment day, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which man has built upon the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as one through a fire. So the question is not just, have we been justified? Have we come into relationship with Jesus Christ? But have we been sanctified? Are, are the works that we do with our life going to survive the day of judgment? Are we going to be sanctified, made holy, and live life completely as saints? And that's the big question we're asking today as we contemplate our own deaths. We're going to be talking with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble of the Daughters of St. Paul right after this break. You're not going to want to go anywhere. Join our continuing conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And don't forget, time flies. Remember your death. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we are talking about how quickly time flies. Last week we talked about justification, that that we are justified, put back into relationship with God through the sacrament of baptism. And that's why each week when we go into Mass, we dip our hands in the holy water and we remember our baptism. But there is another remember that's out there, uh, and, and you may have seen it on old tombstones. You may have seen it in old saint paintings, uh, the skull in the corner, uh, just underneath or on the desk of the saint, whether that be Jerome or St. Francis or one of the many, many others. Uh, yes, time flies, tempest fugit, memento mori, remember your death. And whereas baptism, as we remember that, reminds us of our our justification, where we are put back in relationship with God, the fact that we are instructed and encouraged and exhorted to remember our death, which is quickly hastening on as we quickly approach that, uh, that's to remind us to be sanctified, to live a holy life, that, that all of the things that we do in life will account for nothing if at the end of our days we're not still in that relationship that we've maintained and grown in that relationship with God, uh, having been made into the likeness more fully of his son. Today we're talking with a dear friend of mine, Sister Teresa Alethea Noble. She's with the Daughters of St. Paul. She's the author of the book, The Prodigal You Love. Uh, Sister Teresa, thank you so much for being back on the show today. Thanks for having me on, Timothy. So a few days ago, uh, maybe about a week ago on Facebook, uh, I see this this picture of you with grinning face, almost giddy, holding in your hands a little ceramic skull. Talk to us about why you did that and, and how that came about. Well, when I entered the convent in uh, postulancy, I, I read that our founder, Blessed James Alberione, had a skull on his desk to remind him of the last things and of his impending death. And at that time, I wasn't super aware that this was a long tradition in the church, but I remember reading that and thinking, I need a skull for my desk. Mm-hmm. So I that's just been in my mind for a long time now, and I've been in the convent for seven years now, and I guess it was just the right time to get a skull for my desk because I was recently on my eight-day silent retreat, and one of the priests there, who was one of the directors, had a little skull that he brought around with him wherever he went. Mm-hmm. Whenever he was traveling, he just kept it with him as a memento mori, like to, to keep his death in front of him. And so inspired by that, I was talking about it at table one day. And a little bit later in the day, a sister came by my office and she said, you know, in, in my little Halloween supplies, I have this <laughs> nice ceramic skull that you might want to use for your desk. And I, and I was like, wow, it depends on what the skull looks like, right. but, but it was nice. So I got it. And, and it was, it was funny because I, I, you know, it was just something that I've, I've always kind of wanted, but I didn't realize it would become such a, a powerful thing in my spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And, and also for other people, I, I, I've been posting on Twitter you know, day one with a skull on my desk and a thought, <laughs> a thought that I've had about that. And 
day two with a skull on my desk and a thought that I've had about that. And at first, you know, if people aren't familiar with this tradition, it kind of seems weird. This nun is posting about a skull on her desk. <laughs> you know, some people are wondering if it's a real skull or, you know, they're just imagining all these weird things. But once I explained it to people and, and you know, shared pictures of the famous Caravaggio paintings of Jerome and, and St. Francis meditating on their death with a skull, um, and once people started to understand it, there was a huge response from people. And so I think there's something about this that really resonates with people. And I think part of the reason is because Death is something that we don't talk about a lot. It's something that our culture, especially Western culture, just avoids and sanitizes. And we just we don't talk about it till it happens. Right. And, and when, when, it, when yeah. we do talk about it, we, we use euphemistic terminology, uh, whether right. someone passed away or uh, they're in a better place or whatever it is, anything to avoid using the word they died. Right. Right. Yeah, I I think our struggle with the problem of suffering causes us to avoid the subject of death because death is an evil. You know, the book of wisdom in the Bible says that God did not create death. Death is a result of sin. But the reality is that because Jesus came and died for our sins, death has become something different for the Christian. So to keep death in front of us is not something that's morbid or uh, disturbing. It's hopeful, and it it helps us to live right. You know, the saints talk about that a lot, to just remember the last things, and however you want to do that. Um, For me, it's a skull on my desk, and and it helps me to remember the last things, to kind of keep my life in perspective. Like, there's a goal, and I should be living for that goal every minute of my life. Now, you've mentioned this a couple of times, the last things. Uh, and S- Sister Teresa, uh, we, uh, gr- being a, a convert, I didn't know what that meant for the longest time. Uh, and I heard someone mention and I had to go look it up. So just in, in real brief summation, uh, talk to us, what are the last things? Um, so the last things are just thinking about basically what happens at the end of your life. So for the first thing is death, then judgment, the resurrection of the body, heaven, hell, purgatory. So thinking about all of those things, all of those possibilities, all of our, um, you know, all, all of the things that happen at the end of our life. So keeping those things at, at in the front of our um, mind mm-hmm. help us to to think about what we're living for. You right. know, there there are choices. We have choices: yeah. heaven, hell, or purgatory. And we should be living for heaven every single day. But when we sin, we turn away from that goal, and mm-hmm. we're we're saying basically, I want something different. Right. Uh, the temporary is more important to me than than what maybe happens later. We're talking today with Sister Teresa Alethea of the Daughters of St. Paul, and we're talking about uh, remembering our death, keeping it always in front of us for the purpose of driving us toward sanctification. Uh, recently in Mass, we heard the, the reading of the, the man who, who found a, a pearl of great price, and he buried it in a field, and he, he went away and sold all that he had 
uh, to get this pearl, and that pearl is the kingdom of God. And I've heard it in a number of different ways uh, and a number of different meanings behind it that we, we give up all of our lives in order to attain the kingdom of God. But as I was thinking about this, keeping our death always in front of us and remembering that, uh, I got to thinking about what if, at least maybe for me this was helpful today, what if the, the things that we sell are not our aspirations, but our habits and our sins? What if I'm willing to give up all of those things completely just for the prize of gaining heaven? And we think, well, of course that's the case. Of course I'm going to give up everything for God because I love God. And yet we go back week after week after week to confession for the very same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful reflection. I, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot about because I think I think that very often as Christians, we can get lost in mediocrity. We can think, well, this isn't that bad. We compare ourselves to the people around us or to the world in general. And we think, well, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I can think, well, I'm in the convent. It can't be that bad. Right. <laughs> and, and that's the work of the devil. We're just settling for um, for sin because we're we're continuing to sin. And, uh, you know, I told a priest friend of mine recently, sometimes when I go to confession, priests will say, he'll, they'll kind of say, well, you know, be patient because these things take time. And I want to yell, no, I'm not going to be patient. <laughs> you know, I, I do not want this sin to continue in my life. That's that's the whole point of, of you know, the end of the act of contrition to say, I do not want to sin anymore. Right. So I, I think that that's a that's a big part of being being uh, willing to let go of the things that are keeping us from God. Well, and as we compare ourselves to those who are around us and think maybe I'm not all that bad, what we're really doing is we are comparing our uh, the sins that we're not tempted with uh, to to people who are tempted with it rather than looking at it and saying, what are the things that trip me up? What are the things that I'm tempted with? And maybe maybe that doesn't look as as big as, you know, the, the serial killer out there. And yet, if I am continuing to choose those things over my relationship with God, then that's a serious issue. That's still a mortal sin, which I say, God, I love you, but I love this thing more. Yeah. And that's really what re- what sin is about is uh, a, a break in relationship. And I think that's what we lose sight of, because if we really thought about sin as a break in relationship, then we would realize how often we sin. Mm-hmm. We are. We, I, I mean, I'm turning away from God constantly throughout the day. If we think about it that way, I'm turning away from God when I'm not doing his will, when I'm um, focusing on, you know, wasting time on the Internet, when he wants me to do, be doing something else. There's so many things that we can be doing that are a, a, just a tiny little turn from God, but we're still turning away from God. And when we think about it that way, then we can't be we can't be happy with the status quo. Right then we have to go out and sell all that we have and buy the field with a pearl of great price in it. Today we're talking with Sister Teresa Alethiel Noble. She's with the Daughters of St. Paul. We're talking about the importance of keeping ever in front of us the prospect of our own death. That drives us towards humility, it drives us towards holiness, and drives us towards living a life of sanctity brings us into sanctification. Join this conversation over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls 
On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith in our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking about death. Yes, that very exciting topic. Remember your death. Time is short. And I think about this. I've got, a, uh, I've got seven children now, so pray for me. Um, <laughs> the youngest was born two weeks ago, but our oldest is nine. And it occurred to him recently, as we were having a family conversation, that he's halfway through his time at our house and then we're, you know, he's going to move on with his life. And he got this look of terror on his face. Like I'm not prepared to go out on my own and I'm halfway there. And I think that that's what it does for us to put in front of our eyes, the fact that we're going to die. And when we die, we're going to pass into either uh, heaven, hell, or purgatory. And our eyes get wide and I th- we think I'm not prepared for that. Well, that's precisely the reason we keep it ever in front of our eyes. Today, we're talking with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble. She's with the Daughters of St. Paul. She's the author of a book called The Prodigal You Love. Uh, I highly recommend it. You can find that over at pauline.org. That's the Pauline Press Publishers. Uh, And she also happens to be the godmother of our second child, Naomi. So um, she's, she's waiting very eagerly to listen to this interview. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> she's, she's convinced that she, and, and I, we're encouraging it by all means. She's convinced that she's going to become a, a nun and she's going to be a teacher, a teacher nun, because that way she can still be around children, uh, which she very much is in favor of, but she's very definitely very spiritually minded. Uh, and, and I blame that on no small part on the prayers of her godmother. So thank you very much for that. And also for being on the show today. Sure. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned people look at you being in in the convent and thinking, oh my, you're so holy. I look at my life and I look at yours and you're dedicated all the time to prayer. And yet it's still a struggle to live a life of sanctity. So talk about where are your growing edges? Where's the Holy Spirit guiding you? Obviously, putting death in front of your eyes, but you've given us a journal on Twitter about what that has, has done for you. The thoughts that you've had as you've contemplated your death, just give us a couple of those. Yeah, I think one of the main things that, that Jesus keeps bringing to me in prayer is just to focus on him. Because I think, I think sometimes when people think of keeping your death before you and remembering your death, they think they think that's just kind of morbid and maybe self-centered or scary. But really, really, I'm kind of looking through my death to Jesus and and really focusing on him in my life. And I, I feel like that's really what he keeps coming back to me and saying to me is, Teresa, come back to me, focus on me, come back to me. And as a spiritual practice, that's really difficult because I can be in chapel, I can be praying lots every day, I can be doing the Lord's work, 
but but how often is my heart and my mind and my soul just really focused on the Lord? Mm-hmm. And I'm ashamed to say it's it's not nearly as much as I would hope it would be. Yeah. So I think that's that's really what he's um, working on with me. And I think memento mori and keeping a skull on my desk is just one of the ways that it helps me to do that, to, to think of my goal. My goal is heaven. Mm-hmm. And what is heaven? To be with Jesus forever. It's 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 relationship. So if we're not practicing that relationship in our daily life, then we're not practicing to be ready for heaven. Right. Well, you know, I, I think of um, my own life. I, I'm married. I don't live in a convent. I'm married and I have um, seven children. And it can be very easy in, in that sacrament of marriage for me to just get used to doing the things that you do. You get up, you you go to work, you come home, you do the laundry, you all eat dinner together, you uh, pray the rosary at night or, or do compline at night that, like we do as a family. And then you go to bed and you do it all over again. And it's easy, even in that relationship, in the relationship with the, the spouse who's in front of you face-to-face every day, it's mm-hmm. easy to forget that I need to do things that foster that closeness and foster that intimacy with my spouse. Uh, otherwise, it it gets cold, it gets routine, it gets rote. How much more would that be the case if the the lover of our souls and our spouse is not someone who we see face-to-face every single day? Yeah, we go and we pray in the convent. We do those things that the, the order is having us do. And yet, those are the externals, and the internal is what happens within the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to what you are doing with your your skull on your desk. I think of the the capuchin. There's a, this capuchin chapel made entirely of bones and not just any bones, but the bones of their brothers who have gone before them. And so here are the people who have lived their life, who have uh, devoted themselves to that, that way of life, to that rule of life that perhaps they even knew. And he's gone before me and I need to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just add, you know, sometimes I think when I talk, when I talk or write on Alatea about focus and a lack of distraction, I think sometimes people who have large families, who have busy lives and, you know, two jobs, and they think, sister, that's easy for you to say in the holy walls of the convent, but my life is crazy. But, um, I, you know, Simone Vey wrote that prayer consists of attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that Paying attention to God, part of paying attention to God in prayer is paying attention to to God, God's will in your life. So whether it's paying attention to your wife when she talks to you, paying attention to your children when they talk to you, giving your full attention to whatever God is asking you to do, to your work, to your... And then if if you're training your attention to do that, then... Your, your attention can be drawn to God much more easily throughout the day and in your prayer time. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Sister Teresa Alethea of the Daughters of St. Paul. Find them over at pauline.org. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, your, this idea of focusing on God through the things of our day and that, that in itself being prayer, because God is calling us to, to gaze on him. And yet in doing so, he's not calling our gaze away from our responsibilities because in him, our responsibilities are properly ordered. All of a sudden our priorities come into line when we view them through God. And so turning our attention to God doesn't mean going into the church, uh, closing the door behind us and shutting everything else out. It means viewing those things 
as the good that God has created them to be. And in that uh, attention, as you're talking about, in that prayer, that's what uh, refines us. That is the sanctification that comes through remembering our death, through focusing on our relationship, which draws us into living a holy life. Uh, I think a little bit of um, uh, uh, the the mother, the the father and mother of Saint Therese of Lisieux. Uh, Louis, there we go, Louis yeah. Martin, who would go up and pray uh, every night. And the kids knew that they could come around, but during prayer time, that was the time that he was focusing on God so that the rest of his life could be ordered. Mm-hmm. And out of that, he gained not only sanctity for himself, but for all of his daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So talk... Both, you know, it's it's uh, devotion to God and prayer, and devotion to God's will um, in your daily life and whatever daily actions He's calling you to, and that is uh, calling, you know, you're you're loving God through your neighbor because the spiritual life is not just about us. It's not just about us and God. That can, you know, spirit spirituality can become very narcissistic when it's just you and God, and it becomes like, you know, an electric blanket, but that's really not what, what, um, Christianity is about as Flannery O'Connor would have said, you know, it's not an electric blanket. It's a, it's difficult. Uh-huh. And it, and it means that we have to love other people too, which is a lot harder sometimes than loving God, you know, uh-huh. loving the flawed and difficult people in our life. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because sanctity is, and external. It's something that is very obviously seen. It, it, it flows from the heart, but then it is wit- you can witness it. There's evidence of it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about how sanctity affects the way we discourse with others, because we've seen lately uh, online and in our nation a lot of, uh, of uh, antagonism. So as Catholics who are focusing on Christ and remembering our death, what does that mean for us in interfacing with people who we strongly disagree with? Um, you know, one, one thing that has really come to me a lot is in this, in this desire to focus on the Lord that God has been trying to inculcate in me, I've noticed that, it, it, you know, in just discernment of the spirits within me, as Ignatian, Ignatius would say, is there's uh, there's things that draw me away from God. One of them is anxiety. I think that's very common for a lot of people. And one of them is anger. And um, I think in response to things that happen in the world, we can feel a lot of anxiety and we can feel a lot of anger. I think anxiety, there's no place in scripture that says anxiety is a good thing. Right. <laughs> you know, Jesus constantly says, and the angels say when they appear to people, do not fear. Uh Anger, we can feel justified anger in response to evil in the world. But what we do with that anger is, is, that's the important thing. So what I found is I can get swept away in my anger or swept away in my anxiety and really get kind of in in a whirlwind of it. For, it could be days sometimes. I'll, I'll really be lost in it. And I think the important thing in the midst of all the difficulties in the world right now is to not get lost in those whirlwinds because that's exactly what the devil wants and that is what keeps us from sanctity. 
We've been talking today with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble. We're going to continue this conversation in an extra on-broadcast segment. You can find it by going over to OutsideTheWalls.com, clicking that Patreon link, and it'll be there available. Join us. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we are meditating, contemplating our death. I turned 40 this week, and of course, that always brings to mind the uh, the impending nature of death, right? Uh, there's this phrase that we've talked about earlier in the show, tempus fugit memento mori, time flies Remember your death. And so that's what we're doing because that is what drives us toward sanctity. Uh, we, we look at the fact that there is an end. There is a time when I will be no more and I don't have much time to get stuff done. And so I need to make sure that I'm living every moment with my death in mind because it, it could happen uh, right now. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow or it may be, you know, 40, 50 years down the road. Uh, so I need to be prepared at this moment right now. I need to be prepared in my heart uh, to be able to die, to go and be with God. This means that I need to be continually in a state of grace. I need to live my life avoiding sin and those things that cause me to sin. If I have sin on my conscience, I need to make sure that I go to confession. I need to pursue the sacramental life and live a life of sanctity because it is through that sanctity, through that uh, that that decision to live like Christ, that we can become saints, that we uh, enter into through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, which has brought us back into relationship with him, and then through that closeness of relationship that we are welcomed into heaven. Let's do this thing, right? So memento mori, remember your death. If you missed any part of this show, we had a great interview with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble. She's with the Daughters of St. Paul, one of our favorite return guests here. If you missed that, uh, or if you want to share it with someone else, don't fear. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that episode archive, and you can get this episode and any other. Share it with your friends, uh, and share it with those who you have a vested interest in their continuing growth as Christians, their continued growth in holiness and sanctity. Also, if you want to continue this, well, you can wish me a happy birthday. And you, because that was, I turned 40 this week, right? You can also uh, give me a little birthday present by going over to OutsideTheWalls.com, clicking that Patreon link and seeing all the extra cool stuff on broadcast content that you can get access to for as little as $2 a month. Uh, that can be your birthday gift to me as you join the community of people who already support the work we do. Get access to the extra interview that we There's a little segment, probably about eight to 10 minutes that we have with Sister Teresa Alethea that we'll put up there uh, that is going to be available only to those people who are supporters. So give me a birthday present and I'll give you a gift. Now, uh, always, we want to spend some time in Scripture and in church history with a document of the church. Today, our reading is coming from today. It's uh, from the Mass readings for today. And it is an Old Testament preview of this idea of justification versus sanctification. We have Joshua sitting uh, with the whole people of Israel, all the tribes of Israel, gathered together uh, before 
they go into the river. And he, and he says to them, uh, Joshua gathered together all the tribes of Israel at Shechem and addressed them saying, fear the Lord and serve him completely and sincerely. Basically, be sanctified, set apart, and become like God. Cast out the gods your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it does not please you to serve the Lord, decide today whom you will serve. The gods your father served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose country you are dwelling. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But the people answered. They said, yes, we want to be justified. We want to be in this relationship. They said, far be it from us to forsake the Lord for the service of other gods. For it was the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, out of a state of slavery. He performed those great miracles before our very eyes and protected us among our entire journey and among the peoples through whom we passed. At our approach, the Lord drove out all the peoples, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. This is baptism, right? They've gone through the river. They are baptized. They're justified. They're in relationship with God. He has chosen them to be his people. And now, at this moment, they are choosing him to be their God. Joshua, in turn, said to the people, You may not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God who will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if after the good he has done for you, you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods. He will do evil to you and destroy you. Now, keep in mind that this is before Christ's redeeming work on the cross. But even then, even after that redeeming work of the cross, it took the church a long time to decide whether or not after that initial forgiveness of sin in baptism— if you returned into sin again, if then you could come out of it. The sacrament of confession is, is something that occurred uh, a little bit later in the church, and it came through much discernment and much debate. Uh, and so we continue. But the people answered Joshua, We will still serve the Lord. Joshua therefore said to the people, You are your own witnesses, that you have chosen to serve the Lord. They replied, We are indeed. Joshua continued, Now therefore... Put away the strange gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Then the people promised Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey his voice. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem, which he recorded in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up under the oak that was in the sanctuary of the Lord. And Jesus said to all the people, This stone shall be our witness. For it has heard all the words which the Lord spoke to us. It shall be a witness against you, should you wish to deny your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his own heritage. And after these events, Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And that reading comes from the book of Joshua. And here it is for us. Uh, we who have been baptized, who have then gone on to confirmation and chosen we will be your people. God, you will be our God. We've chosen this. He says, now don't stop there. Put away those things that are behind you. Cast off sin. Uh, sell it, right? Sell all that you have to gain that pearl of great price, that, that participation in the sacramental life, that gift of God of relationship, right? And so we live a life, therefore, of sanctity. Now, I want to read to you uh, from church history. This is from a treatise on the admirable heart of Jesus by St. John Eudes. 
Uh, and, and this comes from the breviary on his feast day. And he says this, I ask you to consider that our Lord Jesus Christ is your true head and that you are a member of his body. He belongs to you as the head belongs to the body. All that is his is yours, breath, heart, body, soul, and all his qualities. All of these you must use as if they belong to you, so that in serving him you may give him praise, love, and glory. You belong to him as a member belongs to the head. This is why he earnestly desires you to serve and glorify the Father by using all our faculties as if they were his. He belongs to you, but more than that, he longs to be in you, living and ruling in you as the head lives and rules in the body. He desires that whatever is in him may live and rule in you, his breath in your breath, his heart in your heart, all the faculties of his soul in the faculties of your soul, so that these words may be fulfilled in you. Glorify God and bear him in your body, so that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in you. You belong to the Son of God, but more than that, you ought to be in him as members are in the head. All that is in you must be incorporated into him. You must receive life from him and be ruled by him. There will be no true life for you except in him, for he is the one source of true life. Apart from him, you will find only death and destruction. Let him be the only source of your movements, of the actions and strength of your life. He must be both the source and the purpose of your life, so that you may fulfill these words. None of us lives as his own master, and none of us dies as his own master. While we live, we are responsible to the Lord, and when we die, we die as his servants. Both in life and death, we are the Lord's. That is why Christ died and came to life again, so that he may be Lord of both the dead and the living. Finally, you are one with Jesus as the body is one with the head. You must then have one breath with him, one soul, one life, one will, one mind, one heart. And he must be your breath, heart, love, life, your all. These great gifts in the follower of Christ originate from baptism. They are increased and strengthened through confirmation and making good use of other graces that are given by God. Through the Holy Eucharist, they are brought to perfection. That reading comes from a treatise on the admirable heart of Jesus by St. John Eudes. And, and this I want to, to commend to you. This is such a beautiful picture of what it means to be sanctified, to live our life as if it were Christ living in us, just like Paul says in Galatians, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live to Christ, right? This is what it means for us as we remember our death to say, I need to be in complete union with Christ, not only brought into relationship with him, but even a member of his body, uh, just completely, just as my hand doesn't move unless my brain tells it to move, I am completely Christ's, and everything that I do and everything that I pursue is for the greater glory of God. And in that motive, in that direction, God will make me like himself. I will become like Christ as I seek a life of holiness. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you so much for being a part of the show on my birthday. 
Today's show is brought to you by Josh and Christina Kleehammer and all of the other patrons of the show. Become one of them. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Tempest Fugit, Memento Mori. God bless. Thank you.